0: Welcome, my name is Amapola Ramirez, and this is Chicana Moms Podcast. In this podcast, I talk to you about my life as a Chicana. As a professional, I want to share with you my knowledge. Tenemos todos un propósito en este mundo. Y unidas, creamos cambio. Vamos a empezar. Hola, ¿cómo están? I am doing good, and I hope you are too. Thank you so much for clicking at Chicana Moms uh, podcast. It is awesome. I'm seeing my numbers go up, you guys, and it's just like amazing. I don't get any money for um, doing these podcasts, but I just love the fact that I'm just like sending a little piece of me out there in the world, like the things that I believe in, the things that I've learned, and just sharing a little bit about my life as a Chicana um, growing up with amazing freaking parents born in Mexico. And um, thank you so much. It really means a lot to me. Um, I don't know where this is going to take me, but I'm open to amazing things, that's for sure. I hope, uh, like I said, you're having a great Sunday and/or relaxed Sunday. I'm a little bit tired, to be honest with you. I had a Celebration for my husband's fortieth birthday, and it's just crazy how time goes by. I am the type of person, you guys, that loves to celebrate. Like I love to gather people around, you know, for those who take the time out of their day to come and just celebrate with me and my family and friends because our a lot of my friends are like family to me, and. It's just really nice. I, I um. It's like a blessing, honestly. I love my family and I love my friends. They are awesome. They're freaking chingones and chingonas. <laughs> but yeah, that's why I'm a little bit tired. But overall, yeah, I tome me tecito de matcha matcha tea um, so I can get some natural energy. So I'm just waiting for that to kick in and. Whew, time to clean because my house is upside down right now. But I do want to talk to you on this part two of the boy crisis. Like I mentioned in the last podcast, I have two boys and I have so much love for kids. But when it comes to boys and as a professional, I hear a lot of parents sometimes telling me, you know, the teacher always calls me and tells me there's, um, She's going through a difficult time with my son because and every time I just hear son, oh, it takes me to this. I don't know how even to describe it, you guys, but this advocacy like power mode of like, let me hear you because your child is not damaged. Like, I want to know what is going on around in their environment so that we can try to help the child. Because no child is damaged, you guys. Every child just needs guidance to be able to help them learn something different from what they've heard and seen you know and that's why I decided to make this um, it's going to be part three this is part two and we're going to talk about um, the boy crisis and we're pretty much going to talk about the education aspect of why a lot of boys are dropping off as I continue to share um, an understanding to help our boys with school. Um, I just want to add that I will be getting quotes from the book that I highly recommend, um, The Boy Crisis, by by Warren Farrell, Ph.D. Um, He is the author of The Myth of Male Power. And John Gray also um, has a Ph.D., is the author of Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. This This book, I'm sorry, it is so... I mean, it's just life-changing, you guys. Everything freaking makes sense as you're reading it. But I wanted to make this podcast um, because it just gives an input. Um, I, I read it, and I want to give my professional input and the experiences I've had as a mother and also as a professional advocating for kids. Now, the book is pretty like thick, so I might also continue... Um, sections of the book as we I move forward in my podcast. So as I'm saying that, I'm thinking maybe it's not going to end at part three, but I am going to scatter them. Okay. Um, but for right now, I am going to keep part one, part two, and part three consistent, kind of like back to back. And after that, we'll kind of see. But honestly, this topic of the boy crisis is just... I don't know. It's so concerning to me, like really concerning because I have boys, you know, and I have a lot of little cousins um, or little have uh, nephews. So uh, for all you moms out there who have boys, I think as mothers who have boys, we understand and we see how our boys are just very active and that doesn't mean they have a problem. You know, I know there's a lot of like parents out there that I've come across that say, you know, why do they always like have to diagnose boys who are active with ADHD? Like they already want us to drug our kids at a young age. And, you know, some people agree, can disagree saying, you know, well, it's needed. But then it's like, hold on. Like, I don't know. I was talking to my husband. This is what I'm going to add to that. I don't want to be bouncing back and forth from different thoughts, but it's just so empowering to me to talk about this. Um, my husband and I were talking and pretty much what he was telling me, he's like, look, I think, um, back in the days, you know, uh, the males had to go out there and hunt. So there's that adrenaline of like being active, physically active to do what was needed to survive, you know? And he's like, I honestly think that part of that, um, way of how all men behaved back then that would go out and hunt, um, is still in our genes. So a lot of boys are very active. I mean, he's like think about it. Look at all these sports, you know. A lot of boys gravitate to sports. I mean, girls do too though. See, this is the thing I was on talking. I'm not eliminating any um any girls who need help, okay? But this specific podcast again is focused on boys, and I'm going to also do um podcast on the importance of helping girls as well, and so, just so you know, okay, but as he was sharing with me about that, you know, and I was like, you know what, it, it makes sense, you know, the women would stay at home, you know, clean, nurture, and all that, I mean, now it's different, obviously, but um, we, as mothers, you know, have, you know, I should say some mothers, because it's so sad, there's some mothers are very disconnected from their own children, but I'm talking about the ones that are very close to their kids that they're able to think above and beyond um, to be creative, to be involved um, in a very emotional aspect. Fathers as well, you know, but as I'm talking about the boy crisis, it just takes me to the thought of all these young kids or single mothers out there like what's going on. Like, why is there a lot of fathers who are choosing to not be involved? Or maybe it's that they want to, but they don't know how. Okay, so I mean, everything on this book answers like all of that, honestly. And it's really thick for me to even do. And I don't want to do a podcast for like a whole two or three hours and stuff. But I will scatter it out, like I said. But anyways, let's get started into the topic on the boy crisis Part two. Let's get started, guys. Okay, so I don't know if many of you have seen Waiting for Superman, the documentary on how our school system is just unfortunately in need of repair. If you have not watched the documentary, I highly recommend it. I remember watching that documentary and it was pretty much saying that if you look at a whole high school and you see that there's all these kids attending, the government pretty much knows for a fact that not every single child in that high school is gonna make it a college. It's concerning, like what? Are you kidding me? I mean, every school is different too. Every school district, every state, right? Um, but now the question is, is it the school's fault or is it the parent's fault? Hmm. I think it's a little bit of both at times, you know, depending. we, As a parent, you have to be consistent, making sure, you know, they do their homework, that they have their grades up, that they're behaving and then school um, has another responsibility to make sure that they educate our kids with updated, you know, textbooks, which I think not a lot of um, schools are doing, I think. Um, I think I remember seeing a post a while back and it was teachers and I don't remember what state it was and their textbooks were super old. It's like, how can they allow that? The wonder kids don't want to go to school. It sucks. Now, I'm going to... Read something here quoted from the book, The Boy Crisis. So, in the United States, by 8th grade, 41% of girls are at least proficient in writing, while only 20% of boys are. The number of boys who said they didn't like school has increased, you guys, by 71% since 1980. Boys are also expelled from school three times as often as girls. So, that is concerning. If there's kids, boys, that are misbehaving in school and they don't want to go to school and their punishment is don't come to school, I think that's a freaking problem. you are It's kind of like a reward. Isn't it stupid? It's a reward. Why not having them just come to school and, you know, give them some kind of like responsibilities or like consequences if they messed up the restroom okay you're gonna clean it up for the next week or whatever but it's just insane to me if the kids are be- misbehaving at school and they act like obviously because people act the way they feel so if boys are not feeling good and they feel bored and they don't want to be at school the consequence is you're not going to get educated go home it's freaking pathetic to me It really is. So I don't know. Sometimes I think, you guys, that is this, is this, like, connected to this, like, whole um, prison? um, I don't know if there's a specific word for it. But what I'm trying to say is, like, you know, they haven't built, like I said in the last podcast, um, a university since 1980. So, and I'm talking about, like, the state, like, state university, not, like, the private ones. But... They've actually built 20 new state prisons. Like, what the f- is that? I really want to know who came up with that. Who came up thinking that it's okay to suspend kids. And I, I, I just find it insane. There has to be another way to make sure that these kids um, that don't want to be there, want to be there. I mean, there's a lot of kids that do behave and probably still consider it as like a drag to go to school because it's like getting up early, you know, and going to school. And it, I know it's like a routine for them. Um, but you know what? I think as mothers um, or fathers, if you're listening to this, it's so, so very important to give our kids a, like a mental health day. Um, I used to work at an agency, in, a mental health agency, and we would get mental health days. Um, Because we would get burned out at times, you know. And uh, one day I was thinking like, wow, like, what about kids? We forget that sometimes, you know, they don't want to go to school. Sometimes if they have a meltdown in the morning, I mean, you know what? It's okay. They're trying to tell you something. They're trying to tell you like, I'm not feeling good, mom. Mentally, physically, you know, emotionally, like, please listen to me. When boys act out, Um, It's because they're trying to tell us something. And a lot of the times we focus more on their behavior um, than their person. It's two completely different things. So whenever there's a boy acting out consistently, we really need to look at as to what is it that's needed. Not what is it that I have to remove to give my child a consequence. Like, no, stop trying to look at things in a negative manner. Try to look at it in different ways of being creative to implement, you know, encouragement, love, respect, and listening to them because this is why our boys are suffering so much. You know, um, there's a lot of fathers who are absent in a lot of young boys' lives. So it's really hard for them to really like identify themselves with another male. Yes, there can be a brother, a Nino a grandfather. But it's not the same. I have met moms who have said, I am both mother and father. No, you are not father. You can, as a mother, there's no way that you can ever fill the shoes of a father. It's just impossible. I don't know why people say that. Well, and, Okay, I'm going to give you guys an example. I had a client that said, well, Because I did ask her that and I told her the same thing. I said, you will never be able to replace the shoes of father. Like that's never going to happen. She's like, well, the reason I say that is because I'm out there playing football. I'm out there playing soccer with him. And I said, you as a mother can do that. You can and you're doing it. So you can own it. We've evolved. We have changed. You can say, I am a mother that plays soccer and football with my son outside. There's no way you can say, I am a father I am a mother trying to be a father, but there's a lot of dads doing things that are, I don't know if you want to put pre- like, mother responsibility, and, like, who categorizes these things? Society? Of course, but that doesn't mean we have to, like, own them, you know, there's a lot of labels out there in this world. And that doesn't mean you have to grab it and own it. No, you create your own identity, your own way of living and raising your children in a healthy, loving manner. So one thing I want to highlight, you guys, is that there's something called the boy-style behavior. This is quoted from the book. And that right there, I always would like you to remember because it's something that I remember myself, that when my boys are at school... I know they're behaving as boys, they're active, and if a teacher ever tells me, you know, your son was getting distracted in the class, uh, your son was playing a little bit rough outside, okay, I get it, I'm gonna correct it, right? But that's just a reminder that it's a boy-style behavior, that's his way of being. Yet, anytime things that come up as a concern for you, don't beat your child up, one, physically, and two with really character assassination kind of words. Okay, it's more of like let's let's sit down, buddy, and let's talk about what happened. Look, you guys, let me tell you. It's just thinking about it even like ugh, frustrates me. My son, uh, my youngest, would come home and tell me, "Mama, that real that didn't happen. I don't know why the teacher's saying that." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, well, I didn't do that to the boy because, and then he starts telling me about a story and I was like, so why are they telling? Okay, so then that's where I get confused. I hear a story from the teacher that it's like the child's fault and then my son's like, no, mommy, and there's times where he admits this, but sometimes I know they can lie to get out of it. So then I'm like, what's going on? After doing a lot of investigation and really digging in and pretty much talking to the staff um, at the school, Ah, uh, there was times where I was like, you know what? The, so, I remember, I can't even say the specific principle, but he made my child look like a liar. That fucking pissed me off, you guys. I was like, are you effing kidding me? You're telling me my child is lying to me? And I can go into details about this situation, but I don't want to get so much into it because I want to address a lot of things. Um, But I know I'm it's I'm not the only one that's gone through that. So you have to be very careful because there's a lot of liability, like focus that the school wants to really highlight. And I get it, you know, liability, safety, you know, but let's be real. We're all human beings, you know. There's going to be things that we're going to mess up on, just like teachers and principals and staff, and I get it. But there's certain things that really get on my nerves, which is trying to make kids liars so that they can look like they're professional and they know what they're talking about and and all that. That really irritates me. So when kids, okay, when kids grow up seeing, that their own teachers or principals or just people at school or even their parents, when they see that they're not being validated and they're not being heard and they're being lied to and they're they're making them look like liars when they know for a fact they're not lying, that makes sense as to why kids even stop trying to be honest and to own things. You know? So... The education system, you know, this is I'm addressing that a little bit more um, because as parents, every parent that has kids, there's some that are being homeschooled for a reason. but Then there's, you know, parents who have kids that are going to a school and you have to be just very involved, very involved. One of the most important things as an advocate, I have to tell you, is document everything because if you do not document, nothing happened. Okay, I remember meeting with a teacher and she with my oldest son when he was in first grade, and she was meeting outside in the courtyard for she met with me for like five minutes to give me updates on my son because my son was just very distracting in the class. And it was already like the second week of first grade. So to me, it was like, uh, it's been two weeks. Like, can you like be patient? But she wasn't a patient teacher. So pretty much what she said to the principal was like, yeah, I would have meetings with her. Are you effing kidding me? You call that meeting standing in the courtyard for five minutes? So obviously, I didn't have that documented. It was like her word against mine. So the principal, unfortunately believes her because I was her worker and, you know, knows her more personally than me. So that's where it became a challenge. So it's so important to advocate for your sons and for your daughters, of course. But if you do not document, again, it did not happen. Okay. So listen to what I'm going to read next because This is where I think it's really concerning if we don't nip things in the butt when our kids are young. Boys whose energies are poorly channeled can become society's most destructive forces, are serial killers and prisoners. Anytime I talk about parenting and discipline and behavior with my groups, I always tell them that if we don't parent in a way of love, consistency, respect. Um, it, parenting can become, you know, between life or death. If we do not talk to our sons and letting them know that they don't have to act tough. Being tough is not cool. Um, it's okay to cry. It's okay to express our thoughts and feelings. And the only way our boys are going to be able to do that is by modeling is the importance of modeling to them how to express our thoughts and feelings. A lot of the times, you know, parents seek therapy and there's nothing wrong with that. But one of the things I attach is if you're seeking therapy for your child to teach them something good, Because then now you're putting yourself in a position of being open to help your child in many profound ways, you know? But making sure that we don't dismiss their unhealthy behavior that can really damage their entire future. They need guidance. And we can't depend on the school system to give them the life skills that they need. um, Especially empathy especially compassion. You know, they don't teach that at school. Maybe they talk about it, right? No bullying, respect each other. But the profound meaning of empathy and compassion starts at home. Have you ever thought that our sons may be the next father that's absent in their own kid's life? We don't want that to happen. But how do we prevent that? How do we make sure that our sons right now who are in, child, uh, I was going to say childcare, yeah, child care, preschool, elementary, high school, right? How do we prevent that? Well, I honestly would like to add that it's so important to learn how to co-parent. If the father's not in the picture because there's a separation or divorce, it's so important to try to communicate um, and to teach the other parent how to be involved. And I, the reason I say that is because a lot of moms end up staying at home with the kids and when a separation divorce happens, you know, the father uh, moves out and now he is parenting alone. And what I mean by parenting alone, I I mean, obviously not just sense that the mom's not in the picture, but now they're on their own, you know, at home, putting them to bed, going shopping, or just doing things with them um, on their own. And there's, the mom's not present because obviously there's a separation and divorce. But learning how to co-parent with the other parent is so important. Very important. Why? Because we're talking about making sure that our sons right now don't become the next absent fathers in the future. So the reason I'm saying learning to co-parent is because if you're able to communicate with the father and you're able to treat him with respect and to bite your tongue when it's needed, you're doing your own son a favor. The reason I say that is because I co-parent with my oldest son's. Um, dad there's times let me tell you okay it's not always perfect there's times when we have our moments of like frustration whatever but we come back to it because at the end of the day our sons are my priority and it's not like we get all crazy and stuff but at the end of the day I do care for them for uh, for them for him um, my son's dad and I just try my best to communicate with him Because I want him to be involved in my son's life. And he also wants to be involved. But there's certain times that I have to tell him. You know like hey I suggest. Or sometimes I tell him like I think it would be a good idea. If you just don't take him to certain places. Or give him tips. That's pretty much what I'm trying to say. Uh, But co-parenting goes a long way. Because then that's when a lot of fathers feel comfortable enough. To come around and pick up their kids. But every case is so different. I can't generalize all of them. But I'm talking about the one cases that, you know, if you have moved on personally and they've moved on and they have a relationship, then, you know, you might want to reconsider like not snapping at your ex and thinking about your child at the end of the day, how can we work together as a team to make sure we raise an amazing young boy to become a man that's responsible um, and independent as they get older and be involved in their kids life later on in the future you know in order for kids to know what a family is they in love and consistency they need to see it firsthand with their own parents and yes there are parents who are separated and divorced and they are still capable of co-parenting in a very healthy manner, all for the well-being of their child. We also need to highlight how fathers play a very important role. We look at young girls playing with dolls, and why don't we buy dolls to girls? Why don't we buy them dolls? I mean, some girls don't like dolls, but um, majority of them like dolls. I should say. Um, Because we're already trying to teach them that motherly instinct, right? Like, take care of the baby. Here's the bottle. Here's the stroller. You know, here's the little toy items that you can use to care for your baby. And then, what about boys? There are some mothers that buy dolls for their boys. Because they're like, what's... Okay, I see the message here, so why not implement it here? And there's nothing wrong with that. But then, yet, if Machista fathers see their kids, um, their boys, I mean, playing with dolls... They start pretty much highlighting, this is for girls. I don't want you playing with that shit or whatever. So there you go. I think that is also part of the problem. Not that we have to train our kids, but I mean, society itself is doing it already, right? They have dolls with diapers and it's like all in the girls section. For, for boys, there's cars, right? There's um, all these different... Well, Legos, but I'm sure there's Legos for girls now. But you know what I'm saying? Like, can you guys understand what I'm trying to say? Like, there's the girl toys and the boy toys. So how do we teach our kids, our boys, to understand the importance of, you know, what a father looks like? And you might think, like, why do I have to talk to my child? He's only in first grade, or he's only in kindergarten, or he's only in fifth grade, or he's in junior high, or... He's in high school and I don't want to talk to him, especially in high school, because I don't want to open something up for them to think that they're they ready to be fathers. I'm not saying that. I'm just talking about talking to them, the importance of a father. and If they didn't have their father in their lives, to really think, what are the things that you have learned from your father not being involved so that you don't continue that? That's a deep question right there. That's an open-ended question to ask their kids. I mean our sons, um, that don't have a father figure in their life. It's just being creative, being creative in different ways that we know are going to impact, um, our son's lives. Now, whenever you see a a boy acting out, if it's your son or any relative, you know, really evaluating, like what's missing here. There's always something missing, you guys. When, when a child, is misbehaving at school or at home is because something's missing. You know what it is? In my perspective, love and attention in a healthy way. And being present with them to really hear their thoughts um, as they express their feelings because obviously that's the goal. We want to like, hear them out. Sometimes it's not going to come out like, I feel sad today. I feel mad today. They're not going to say certain things, but they're going to behave in ways of throwing things, you know, of just crying and just, like, overwhelming. And a lot of parents end up tantruming with their own kids, and that just creates a big chaos. I strongly think that the more we repeat ourselves with positive affirmations towards our sons, it's what's going to make an impact. The reason I say that is because there's too many consistent, unhealthy messages being send to our sons on a daily basis. So it's our responsibility as parents to make sure that we also provide positive messages on a daily basis. Here's the suggestions that I highly recommend. is telling your child every morning and every night, you're smart, you're kind, you're loving, you're fun, and you're important to me. Those are powerful statements, you guys. It's so important to now feed our boys with positive, encouraging words and also with actions because our kids listen to us more based on what we do than what we say. So as we're saying this, we have to also behave it so we be consistent so that we can let them know that they are unique and amazing and that they will not be like their father who chose to not be present. They are different. Why? Because it's possible. Because it's a fact. There are fathers out there who are amazing who did not have a father figure in their life. So it's also a reminder that anything is possible regardless of any situation. So I really hope this also planted a seed to be able To look at our boys in a very different perspective. To know that they're like in danger. They're in danger of being the next. Not all of them of course. But being the next absent father. Being a criminal. Being hooked on drugs. We don't want that to happen to our future um, men. We are raising these little boys right now. Who will be the future Men. And that's what we want them to meet. We want them to be men. We don't want them to continue behaving like if they're boys and they're like in their late 20s and mid 30s and, you know, early 40s and they're still behaving as boys. No. We want to make sure we impact them with a lot of love and consistency, not spoiling them, okay? Don't get that confused. Spoiling and love is two completely different things. And that's going to be another topic we'll talk about. But thank you so much for listening to me. Love your boys, hug them and tell them they are so important to you and they're important in this world. Thank you so much and you'll hear from me again soon next week on Sunday. You can check out my Instagram at Chicana Moms Podcast, and you could also email me at chicanamoms at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Take care, have a blessed day. Bye.